Support for NPR and the following message come from IXL Learning. IXL Learning uses advanced algorithms to give the right help to each kid, no matter the age or personality. Get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when you sign up today at IXL.com NPR. This is State of Ukraine. I'm Steve Inskeep with NPR's best reporting on a war that is changing the world. In this audio news update, we hear the sound of the radio in Ukraine. First, some news. Nobody has used nuclear weapons in Ukraine, but Ukrainians say Russians brought radiation on themselves. The state utility is back in charge at the site of the Chernobyl nuclear catastrophe from the 1980s. And the utility says that while Russians held Chernobyl, their soldiers exposed themselves to radiation. UN officials are checking that claim, but Ukraine's military says Russian mutants lost. That's a quote. Russia's invasion largely united Ukrainians, even those with ties to Russia. But Ukraine's president accuses two generals of not knowing which country they serve. Volodymyr Zelensky stripped them of their military rank and called them traitors. Also called them anti-heroes, which would almost be praise if this were an American movie, but probably not in this context. Our last episode told you a Red Cross convoy was waiting for a promise of safe conduct to Mariupol. They didn't get it today, so they'll try tomorrow. We also told you a fire at a Russian fuel depot, which Russia blamed on a Ukrainian attack. Ukraine now says it wasn't us. The main way Ukraine is striking at Russia is through the sanctions of its allies. Because they're global, any place in the world can become an economic battlefield. And here's an update on the Battle of New Delhi. Russian and American officials have been visiting in recent days because India is not fully committed to either side. The U.S. is its new friend. Russia is an old one. One of the U.S. visitors is Undersecretary of State Victoria Newland, who told us that India should be on the U.S. side against Russia and China. Increasingly, we are seeing the autocracies band together, and that's not where India wants to be as one of the world's largest and oldest democracies. But what did you think about when officials from the Russian Central Bank met officials from India's Central Bank to talk about mechanisms they could use to evade Western sanctions? We've been talking intensively to India about the importance, if they cannot join all of our sanctions, at least ensuring that Russia doesn't use India to evade them. The Indians are not going to be fooled by Russian ploys, but that doesn't stop the Russians from going all around the world for cash now. And the reason they're doing that is because our sanctions have been very crushing on their economy. Uh, Deputy National Security Advisor from the United States also traveled to India ahead of the Russian foreign minister's visit and warned, this is a quote which we found in the Indian media, there are consequences to countries that actively attempt to circumvent or backfill the sanctions. What consequences are you warning India about here? In our conversations with India, whether it was my conversations, Dalip Singh's, or Secretary Blinken's, this is not a matter of warning. It's simply a matter of reminding India that Russia will try to abuse their long-standing defense relationship to get advantages here, and that it is not a good bet to help Russia out during this brutal conflict. I just want to make sure that I understand what you think is going to happen. You don't believe, is this what you're telling me? You don't believe that India's central bank is going to go into business with some sanctions evading mechanism with Russia's central bank? You don't believe that India is going to be that helpful to Russia? Is that what you're saying? 
I think the Russians are going to be sorely disappointed by their partnership with India if our consultations in recent days and weeks are any example. Russia has nothing to offer India. They increasingly know that, and our partnership is far more valuable, and uh, we are working to strengthen that. You've mentioned India's work with large democracies. Uh, They're, of course, part of this quartet of four big democracies facing China in one way or another. But the reality is that India itself, as I'm sure you know very well, has become less democratic in recent years. The media are less free. Political opposition is less tolerated than it was. Is it possible that Prime Minister Narendra Modi sees himself a little bit more like Vladimir Putin or Xi Jinping than he does the West? You know, that is not the impression that we have. Obviously, we talk frankly to all of our partners, including India, when we have concerns about some of the issues that you raised, and we do have those concerns, and that all of us as democracies, the United States included, have to work on the places where we are not open enough, we are not free enough, and we're talking about that. But the notion that India wants to live the way China lives or live the way Russia lives, we have no indications of that. And on the contrary, I think they are looking for ways to divest themselves of this historic relationship, and they are understanding that it is a bad bet for them going forward. What is the hardest question you faced, the hardest challenge you faced from an Indian official during your visit? You know, I think the the, the most difficult issue is how quickly they can be helped by the rest of us to get out of these legacy relationships, whether it's their dependency on certain kinds of oil and other energy products from Russia, whether it's their dependency for their land forces and others. You know, they want to do more with us, and this, these kinds of transitions take time. Like a lot of us, they're having to do some rebudgeting as fuel prices go up. So the question is simply, how much can we do together in this context to strengthen the democratic world, and can we do it fast enough? Given the prices you mentioned, is India going to buy some more Russian oil and is the United States going to have to look the other way on that one? So when we made the decision, and Canada did and a number of other countries, that we would completely ban the import of Russian oil, it was relatively straightforward for us to do because we have very little exposure. But as you know, some of our other allies and partners, including allies in Europe, uh, India have some dependencies that it's going to take time for them to break. So we were understanding both in the German context, in the Indian context, a couple of other countries that they would need to um, continue to, to do some importing, but that they needed to do it within agreed channels and they needed to ensure that they were not stockpiling extra at this moment. And that's the understanding that we have with India, even as we work together to try to help them wean off of Russian energy. Your understanding is they're not going to stockpile extra Russian oil. Is that what you said? Our understanding is that they will only import at the same level that they have traditionally imported, and that we will try to reduce that over the coming months and years, because they are understanding that this dependence on the Russians is, again, not a good deal for India. Victoria Newland is Under Secretary of State for Political Affairs and one of many global officials who have recently visited India. Thanks so much. Thank you, Steve.
Okay, so I'm driving my kid to school, and she likes the music radio station to be on. They have all this cheerful talk, and then they have to break in for some news, which is a grim contrast. Now, suppose you're a pop music station in Ukraine. NPR's Scott Detrow has been listening in Lviv. To get to the wave of Lviv's broadcast studio, you walk through a courtyard, down several stone steps, and through a long, arched underground hallway, past an old gray boombox. The studio itself has thick brick walls. Do you see this wall? Big one. <laughs> it doubles as a bomb shelter when Lviv's air raid sirens go off. And that's especially important since the radio station is right near the kind of big communications towers that have been targets in other cities. We also broadcast the siren, staying people to go to the shelter. Yuri Homiak is the station's director. He's 26. He took over the job from his dad just a few months ago. When the war started, we had a tough decision. Our radio station works on the from the advertisements. Uh, all the businesses closed down in, in Ukraine, in Lviv, uh, so we had no funding. And uh, we thought about, uh, should we stay on broadcasting? They decided to stay on the air. Everybody took pay cuts to keep the station afloat. And they made another important decision, too, to keep their irreverent style. Yeah, especially at the beginning of the war, people telephoned us, uh, said that we were uh, too sarcastic, too uh, ironic. But um, our hosts, uh, they decided to stay this way. We try to mix uh, the things up just to keep our listeners uh, more happy. Taras Havrik has been on the air for eight years. Listeners know him for his jokes and his rapping. He's got on two earrings, a leopard print shirt, and has bangs under his hill figure hat. I want to have, like, funny airs. I want to joke in my studio. But it is what it is. We have war here, so... His show is more serious than before, more segments on how listeners can help raise funds and morale for the army, things like that. But Taras makes a point to save time for music and laughs. People still need a break. Maybe distraction is uh, one of the rules of this music. To, to feel uh, relaxed uh, in this situation, it's not possible to be relaxed like for uh, 100%, but we want to... Calm people. One way to do that is playing all the new songs that seem to pop up about the war every single day online. They're often darkly funny and blunt. So uh, he has done this song uh, named Die, 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 Putin, uh, with a, f- a funny horrors. Die, 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 Putin. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> now we have war time, so we can air uh, whatever we want. Putin <laughs> we might have to bleep that. <laughs> Why? Americans... Uh, this rule does not apply to NPR. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, but, but, but do, do Americans uh, know what this means? Somebody will. As Taras does his show, a small staff of reporters clacks away on keyboards in a room just across the hall. They're writing the upcoming newscast, which tops the hour. Arena Shubinets, one of the lead newscasters, does a final check of the copy. There's so much news now. It's changing constantly. She walks over to the studio and takes her seat less than a minute to air. And then... Кількість жертв обстрілу Миколаївської ОДА знову зросла. Майже 600 тисяч українців повернулися до The top stories this hour, shelling in the south, alleged Russian war crimes and aid for internally displaced people. Journalists are like firemen. They need to be ready at any time if it's a war or whatever. Irina tells us through our interpreter that doing the newscasts is calming in a way. 
being able to curate and take in the latest updates helps her deal with the anxiety. When the war started the first day when I came to work, um, we had this discussion. It seemed like this is the end, like this is the end of the world. So how we're going to report on this? Arena says they realized that they were going to report on death, maybe even of people they knew personally. The day we visit, five weeks into the war, it happens. A cameraman Arena had worked with before was killed in the East, and she reported on it. I was almost crying, and I even had goose bones on, on, on my skin. To Ross and his co-host, they knew not to joke after that. The war is personal for everyone. One of the station's hosts joined the Ukrainian army and is on the front line. Taras has family in Russian-controlled territory. Everybody, I think everybody in this country has some stories right now about deaths, about fighting, about uh, uh, losing their uh, houses. It's uh, such a bad things uh, are happening right now. Like Arena, he struggled at first. They both told us they needed anti-anxiety medicine. But as the weeks have gone on, he's adjusted. And he sees his mission right now is helping his listeners try to get to that same place. I want my listeners to feel little bit better right now. And sometimes that's talking about something else. Sometimes that's talking about the war, but in a, in and, a joking uh, way. Not every person uh, in this country um, goes to psychologists, goes to church uh, where they can feel safe. Uh, but m- many, many guys are uh, listening to me. And I want to be like uh, some kind of uh, psychologist, some kind of priest right now. Yeah. I'm not, but I want to be. (laughs) And this is State of Ukraine from NPR News. NPR's best reporting on the war, regularly updated wherever you get your podcasts. Sean Saldana produced, Kelly Dickens and Erica Aguilar edited this episode. I'm Steve Henskeep. This message comes from NPR sponsor Charles Schwab with its original podcast on investing. Each week, hosts Lizanne Saunders, Schwab's chief investment strategist, and Kathy Jones, Schwab's chief fixed income strategist, along with their guests, analyze economic developments and bring context to conversations around stocks, fixed income, the economy, and more. Download the latest episode and subscribe at schwab.com slash oninvesting or wherever you get your podcasts. Support for NPR and the following message come from IXL Learning. IXL Learning uses advanced algorithms to give the right help to each kid, no matter the age or personality. Get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when you sign up today at IXL.com NPR. All that sitting and swiping, your body is adapting to your technology. Learn how and what you can do about it. I really felt like the cloud in my brain kind of dissipated. Once I started realizing what a difference these little bricks were making, there's no turning back for me. Take NPR's Body Electric Challenge. Listen to the series wherever you get your podcasts.